Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey, everyone. We're Carol and David, and we're so excited to welcome you to our podcast. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are, and you know we love talking and learning about everything related to sex and sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. And we love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. We sure do. Hey, did you know that there's a spike in open relationships and polyamorous marriage? It may be due to COVID quarantine, as couples are looking for more alternative ways to save or to just enhance their marriages by adding a consensual person or people to their relationships. On today's show, we're sharing a special episode where we participated in a sexpert panel discussion moderated by Dr. Ava Cadell from Loveology University, all about open relationships, understanding polyamory, monogamish, and unicorns. We were there with together with five other sex field. Absolutely. But before we get to that panel, we're going to take a moment, as we always do, to talk about our top waterproof blanket, because great sex is messy sex, and nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot. So if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. You don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. It sure does, and so does today's show. We are Carol and David. This is a Sexy Lifestyle, and we are so excited to bring you Dr. Ava Cadell's Sexpert Panel Discussion, all about open relationships. Welcome to our Sexpert Panel on Open Relationships. I'm Dr. Ava Cadell, founder of Loveology University, and your moderator today with our esteemed panelist, beginning with Dr. Eli Sheff a researcher and speaker with a PhD in sociology and certification as a sexuality educator from ASECT. Dr. Eli is globally recognized for her academic studies on consensual non-monogamy and polyamorous families with children. She has a best-selling book called The Polyamorous Next Door, inside multiple partner relationships and families. And I was lucky enough to attend one of her ASEC seminars. And oh, she signed this book for me, which I loved reading. And uh, yes, this is called When Someone You Love is Polyamorous. Now, next is Dr. Carol Queen, a sexologist and sociologist, author of 11 books, And she serves as both staff sexologist and chief cultural officer at Good Vibrations, a renowned adult store which turns 44 years old this month. 
And uh, in addition to her educational workshops and public appearances, she also curates Good Vibrations Antique Vibrator Museum. And I have been very fortunate to see Dr. Carol Queen give an amazing seminar on the history of sex toys. I also have one of her books that she signed to me entitled The Sex and Pleasure Book, Good Vibrations Guide to Great Sex for Everyone. So thank you. Now, my good friend, Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce is the next on our panel. She is a sexologist, a yoga therapist with a degree in nursing, and she's also a radio talk show host, an international speaker who hosts exotic lifestyle retreats at Hedonism in Jamaica, where she teaches singles and couples about conscious living sexually. Dr. Nancy is also a speaker on sensuality education on bliss cruises for adults only. And she has generously donated one of her fabulous yoga videos to everybody watching this panel today. Now I'd like to welcome Carol and David, radio hosts of the successful Sexy Lifestyle Show on Voice America, and they are sex and swinging lifestyle educators. Carol and David are a fun-loving swinger couple who openly share their personal experiences with sex, love, and marriage. Their show aims to help listeners to have stronger relationships through clear communication, pushing their boundaries and exploring sex fantasies. Now, I was a guest on their Sexy Lifestyle show recently, and I had so much fun that I invited them to join us on this panel about open relationships. And they are offering a raffle winner, one of their luxurious top waterproof blankets. No doubt great for messy sex. Now we have Erica Jordan. She is on our sex book panel. And by the way, you might recognize her from her many TV appearances and movie roles, but she's also a certified love coach, a fitness trainer, NLP practitioner, and media host with her own podcast called Playmate Pickup. Erica has also created a masterful six-week course designed to help men acquire the skills to approach women with confidence. And that is called the art of pickup. And she's donating her course to one lucky raffle winner today. And last but not least is Tamara Bell, who was one of my first graduates in 2008. And I have had the pleasure of working with her ever since. Now, Tamara's dedication for helping clients and mentoring students led her to become a leader in love coaching, and she's now the ambassador of students at Loveology University. She's also an expert on pleasure products and on adult toys because she founded her very own Home Pleasure Party Plan Association, and she has generously offered one lucky raffle winner her love coach or her mentoring session. So I thank you, Tamara, for being you. Thank you. Okay, let's begin our discussion on open relationships. And the first question is gonna go out to everybody on the panel. 
I want to know how you think COVID-19 has affected open relationships. And let's start with Dr. Eli. I would say that it's really brought some social tensions to the fore around primary and secondary who's included in the bubble and who is excluded um, really, I think, speaks to social power within the relationship. And that's been really challenging for some people. And uh, Dr. Carol Queen, what do you think? Well, I certainly agree with that. I've been hearing from uh, from journalists who are asking us at Good Vibrations whether we're hearing things. We've been doing um, monthly or almost monthly surveys and getting feedback from people about various things. And in the comment section, in the feedback surveys, we just hear from people about how COVID, we didn't even ask the question, how is COVID affecting you? And they tell us. And there is, I'm seeing a lot of anxiety and worry from folks. Uh, I'm seeing that there are also people who have done a fairly good job figuring out how their bubble can incorporate one another. But the, of course, the more people you add out and their intimates and their intimates, um, the more careful and thoughtful you have to be. And uh, not everyone has come to this space really being precise and thoughtful and full of negotiation skills. I think this is requiring people to get them. And I also have heard from so many people who are cut off from their metamors and are really sad about that. Absolutely true. And you mentioned journalists. I also have had a lot of journalists contacting me and I saw actually a quote in brides.com which said, polyamorous marriage is having a moment. The spike in this alternative arrangement is happening with young married couples who have been married for just a few years and yet they long for something more. So as you said, the good thing about this pandemic is that it has the potential to open up the conversation about the future of your relationship. So Dr. Nancy, what do you think? What's your take on how open relationships have been impacted by COVID? I, I mean, I, I agree with everything that's been said thus far. That's what I'm finding. Also, I'm finding that couples are having an opportunity to really move toward each other for that added spice. And so it's forcing people to get a little more creative at home while they are in a secure pod and safe. Um, and then learning those communication skills to add people in if they want. They're having to spend more time getting to know people before adding the sexuality, which I think always benefits the experience of any added uh, playmate. Right. And if you don't like them, then you don't have sex with them. Right. <laughs> um, Erica, what do you think? I definitely agree with what everyone has been saying. I think some of the perks are people are forced to establish a deeper connection because they have to trust their partner on, on a different level than that didn't necessarily wasn't necessarily taken into consideration before they had to get more creative and virtual fun like virtual orgies are at an all-time high ah virtual orgies we'll talk about that later <laughs> um tamara what about you what do you think about uh open relationships with covid 
how it's so, um, I do agree with everyone. Um, what I have been seeing um, is there's a lot more people interested in, uh -huh. in getting in the um, in the lifestyle. And so I, I noticed that they're doing a lot of more research. The ones who are in open relationships are still maintaining, but, but I have a lot of people um, wanting to get in and learn about, and, you know, they're trying to figure it out, but also stay safe at the same time. So, um, so I've seen a big jump and I've also seen a big jump in uh, with people of color. Ah, oh, interesting. I mean, I definitely agree that the pandemic has put a strain on many traditional relationships. Mm -hmm. But let's find out from Carol and David how COVID-19 has affected the swinging community. Well, we have two phases of what's gone on in the last year. Um, we definitely miss our swinging friends. We've been swingers for 13 years. Um, however, our sex life between the two of us has exploded in the last year. We've brought out sex toys that we've never tried before. We've been doing role playing. We've been doing some videoing of each other and all, both of us together having sex, which is something new to us. We've been talking a whole lot more about sex, yeah. that's for sure. And then in January, we decided to come here to Hedonism, where Nancy was a couple of weeks ago. And we spent the, have been spending the winter here, so 15 weeks here at Hedonism. And it's very interesting to see the dynamics of all the people who are here, whether they be swingers or not swingers, and how they're interacting with each other. And it's really nice to see people playing safe and really following the rules. So Carol and David, your sex life is booming, which is fantastic. You're using new sex toys. You're even videotaping each other. So you're having more fun than most. <laughs> we are missing our friends, but besides that, yes, we are having a great time together. That's great. All right, so let's go back to open relationships and learn some new things that I found very interesting. So when I was reading Dr. Eli's book here, I was actually quite surprised that you are not polyamorous, but you are an expert on the topic. So my question is, what inspired you to study polyamory? As an intellectual, I intellectualize things that frighten me. And I had a lover when I was 22, the first time I really ever fell in love with someone. And he, on our first date, he told me he never wanted to get married and never wanted to be monogamous. And at the time I was like, you're disposable, dude, until I go back to real relationships with women you can be a boy toy of the moment. But then when I fell in love with him, I was like, wait a minute. Does that mean I'm too fat? I'm bad in bed. And I think a lot of people who are more monogamously oriented when they hear their partner wants multiple partners, we just assume like, oh, it must be something wrong with me. Because as, as a more monogamously leaning person, I don't, I'm not interested in other people. When I'm in love with my partner, I'm not interested really in other people. But my partner, she is oriented non-monogamously and it doesn't matter for her whether she's in love with me or not. She still wants other people. Wow. And I love that you faced your fear. That must have been quite challenging. Well, thank you for sharing your personal experience. I think that helps a lot of people who are watching this. 
And um, yeah, I really appreciate that. So Carolyn David, everyone watching wants to know, how did you meet and how did you both get into the swinging lifestyle? Okay. Well, we have a fun story because my ex-husband is married to David's ex-wife. And that was, that was before we were swingers. So we met before we became swingers, but we were friends and neighbors and um, our exes fell in love with each other and dumped us. Basically, we got dumped. Uh, we became friends and then we became a couple and then we found the swinging lifestyle about two years into our relationship. So we found it together and we explored it together and I'm pretty sure that's one of the main reasons why we've been so successful in this lifestyle, because we both resonated immediately with this lifestyle and we're able to share our thoughts and ideas and where we wanted to go. And I guess a little bit more evolved because we learned from previous marriages what kind of went wrong. And we focused on our communication from day one. And that's really what you need to do. And honesty. Yes, honesty and communication is that's what you need in the lifestyle without knowing it. We had already cultivated that for two years. And that's probably why we became very successful doing this and without jealousy, with fun and you know, with growth in mind always each time we have an encounter. That's a great story with a happy ending. I love that. We love happy endings. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't we all? So Dr. Carol Queen, can you share your own experiences with non-monogamy and also can you tell us how do you know if an open relationship is right for you personally? Well, yes, I would love to, to start with a quote that, that uh, impacted me a lot when I heard it about 25 or maybe even longer years ago. Uh, and it was Dr. Deborah Annapole who has been involved in the, sort of the theorizing of this world. And she was giving a talk of Good Vibrations. She said, you know, not everybody is oriented the same way about relationships. Some are open relationship oriented. Some are monogamously oriented. It's the mixed marriages that get into trouble. And that's actually been my experience. If, uh, if I had known to think this way when I was a teenager, I would have realized that I was one of the people who was not oriented toward monogamy. And uh, that didn't mean that monogamy, non-monogamy was easy for me to leap into. I had to struggle with jealousy and deal with learning communication skills and all of that. You have to pick people who are similarly oriented and compatible. And I haven't always been 100% on that. But my life now is, um, is shared with two partners. Um, the relationships are open. The time that I've been in relationship with Robert, my primary partner, has been over 30 years now. And he and I used to hold safer sex parties together in San Francisco, the Queen of Heaven parties. And we found that we could attract to ourselves people who were exploring, if not there yet, uh, with this world. Of course, you don't have to go to sex parties and orgies in order to be in an open relationship or non-monogamous or any of that. That's not for everyone. But that's a piece of my own sexuality that I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to explore, plus the exhibitionism and voyeurism involved in all of that. And you wrote a book about that. I did, Exhibitionism yes. Rather Shy, partly out of the experience of sort of sort of blossoming into the, because I was a shy person. No one believes that. Really? I Anyone. can't imagine that. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I was, but, but, but the sexuality world helped me 
get from there to here. And that's mm -hmm. I think, really significant uh, in my own life story and in that of other people too, in many cases. So mm -hmm. my real my real question, what, what I would contribute to the last part of your question is, how do you know if, if this is right for you? I think that people for whom it is right, A, find themselves, whether thoughtfully or not, in triadic or non-monogamous situations. If someone is, is pulled that way, that's really a call, I think. Then the question is, can you do the trust and communication piece that allows you to do this in a in an ethical way, the, the sort of ethical non-monogamy that is written about in the ethical slut, for example? Because right. plenty of people can stumble into anything and are not able to take it home and be honest about it or right. be honest right. with themselves. So those are my... Those are my little insights. I'm sure that others here will have more. Uh, they're great. Um, so Dr. Nancy, you work with a lot of people who are non-monogamous and they have different kinds of open relationships. So my question for you is, when should a couple try an open relationship and when should they not? One of the questions I get most often is from generally men wanting to know how to get their wife to and then fill in the blank. <laughs> so um, I often start off with, well, you don't get her to do anything. <laughs> so you can invite her, you can open the conversation, you can bring in books, videos, um, things that might in entice her or just get both of your curiosity going. So that's usually where I start with people, but it has to be a mutual curiosity to start with. You know, I think if, if like we, I think it was, I think it was Eli that, or, that said something about relationship orientation. I think that's a really critical term that we, that we make more uh, known because, you know, your sexual orientation, all the, all these different ways of being, relationship orientation is key. So you both need to know kind of what your tendencies are. And you can speak a lot to that based on what you've done so far in your life, right? Right. So, so when, when people, when couples come together, it's like, all right, we're both a little curious, where do we go from here? And that's when we start with the, with the trusting communication and the honesty. And mm -hmm. that's what I teach with is called the oasis really is making, making a nest of truth where people both feel safe to speak from, from their authentic self. Right. So obviously couples who are already very jealous of each other, who don't trust each other, um, should not try open relationships. No, right? not, it's not there to fix a problem. No, it's not. That's a very important quote. Thank right. you. Mm -hmm. Erica, I saw an article that you wrote about how to dip your toes into a monogamish relationship. So can you explain and expand upon that for us? Sure. Well, I think that an open relationship isn't necessarily black and white. I like to think of it as a little bit more flexible than that. Maybe uh, they both agree that they're allowed to flirt with other people or sext or fool around with other people, but no insertion, just whatever they happen to be comfortable with. And just adding that little element to their life is enough to kind of scratch that itch for these particular people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great answer. Thank you. Tamara, 
As a love coach, how do you work with clients who want to be in an open relationship? Do you work with them differently? Um, not so much differently, but I do talk about um, how being in an open relationship, there are rules um, and that if they, um, if they're not really sure um, what to, to go into it, they need to do a little research. Um, I sort of help them to understand the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, although I am not in the lifestyle, but I know of it and I, and I um, have friends who are. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not, it's, it's, it's not a game. Um, and I have seen some people get in it and um, don't know how to handle it. And especially if they're married, I've seen a divorce. So um, one of the biggest things for me is to really help them to understand what the lifestyle is. It's not, it's not just something that happens. It's not, it's not about sex. It's, it's about um, building trust and relationship with multiple partners. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, I actually had my daughter, uh, she's my middle child, uh, ask me about that today. Oh, so, yeah. There you go. So, you know, so definitely, then. Yeah. I definitely want, you know, like I'm very open and I definitely want people to understand. Um, so if you venture in, um, it, rather it just have uh, um, the multiple partners or the swinging that you understand the rules that come along. Right. With there are many different types of open relationships. And I know that Dr. Eli is, you know, of paramount importance for her. In fact, we'll talk later about a, a bonding test that I just took that she sent to me, which I think gives you four different kinds of open relationships. So giving your clients the information they need and then telling them, I think the consequences and benefits so they can make up their own mind is so, so important for us. Um, and I, I learned things that I did not know from this book. So, Dr. Eli, in this book, you have a chapter on traits of polyamorous people that I found very interesting, especially those um, who enjoy science fiction and uh, they work with technology. Who knew? So can you tell us more about the personality traits of somebody who's polyamorous, please? I would say they tend to be not always nonconformists, but willing to consider something outside of the box, which I think is one of the draws of science fiction. They're willing to consider how else things might be. Um, there's a strong overlap, I would say, with people interested in BDSM. Um, significant population sharing there with um, having to kind of consider their own relationship boundaries, meaning not following this clearly set social script, but needing to think about what do they want and how to negotiate that with others. I see also a big overlap there with kink too. Um, they tend to be more extroverted, although I must say polyfidelity or a smaller closed group can work really well for introverts too, but people who are dating multiple people at the same time tend towards extroversion. They tend to have a high risk tolerance and be more willing to tolerate discomfort in the pursuit of new things. 
And are they higher? Is their sex drive higher, would you say? For some people, yes. I think people with a much higher sex drive maybe gravitate towards swinging. And some of the other guests, I think, could really talk about that. The um, polyamory itself is so high communication and negotiation and emotion that sometimes all of that takes precedence over the sex. So people who have very high sex drives, I think, find polyamory somewhat tedious, actually. So I have a question from a viewer here that wants to ask Carolyn David. Um, Lee wants to know the difference between an open relationship and swinging. Big question. Um, one of the big differences is, um, you know, as swingers, we are emotionally non-monogamous. Right. We are emotionally connected. We're non-monogamous. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> non-monogamously emotional but we like having sex with other people so we are only open when it comes to sexuality not when it comes to love and um we only play together so one of our rules in the swinging lifestyle there's three rules ask first no means no and if you don't get an enthusiastic yes it means no we add another rule in which is we only play together in an open relationship couples might go out on dates separately might not tell their partner what happened and um, for us, in our, in our lifestyle, in our swinging world, it's about playing together, playing with other people, and enjoying the experience as a couple, and which, which always has to strengthen our couple when we finish having sex with other people. Wow, those are great rules. That's really good, a good definition and a great answer. Thank you. Dr. Carol Queen, what emotional, physical, and sexual boundaries should you consider, this is a question from a viewer here, um, what emotional, physical, and sexual boundaries should you consider in an open relationship? Well, I'm going to start with the physical and, and sexual safety question. Uh, safer sex means something a little different now in the age of COVID when we are dealing with something that's breath-borne uh, than it meant in the age of HIV-AIDS, which is not all the way over. Uh, when we were dealing with a sexually transmitted condition that had to do with body fluids and so forth. So there's, there's the getting up to speed on uh, what your concerns are and what might be a possibility that you need to protect against. Learning your condom skills, learning not to pair condoms with oil-based lubricants and learning what you need to know in order to make those decisions together. And uh, in, in my way of thinking about all of this, when I'm talking to couples and when I'm thinking in my own choice terms, the person with the more conservative boundaries, uh, the more restrictive boundaries actually should be, those should be the boundaries that are honored. Because if that's not the case, then someone is being asked to do things that they don't consider safe. So there's an emotional and sexual version of this too, of course. There's the, the question of jealousy and how you handle information. Do you want to be in the room at all times when something happens? Do you want to uh, be in the lifestyle in that way? Do you want to observe and get into the exhibitionism and voyeurism of it? Another thing that the, the hot wifing or cuckolding lifestyle has in common with um, some other kinds of play that aren't like that. Or do you want to 
trust your partner to keep your boundaries secret and safe and not have detail so that you don't spin out into thinking more and more about what that might be like for them. So that's almost the, that's almost a fence that you could only get over with compersion and true trust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So learning, learning about yourself and your partner, whether sharing all that information enhances and makes you feel safer and more connected, or whether you can feel safe and connected with a boundary of information. This mm-hmm. is true for polyamorous people too. Sometimes people know all about each other's relational um, specifics, and some people have the basic information to know about the others, but they don't want to know all the detail. And that's something right. that really is an important determination to yeah. that's yourself. You have to have better communication. Absolutely. And Ava, one thing, one thing I'd like to add yeah. is in the lifestyle, in, in anything with respect to open relationships, whatever we're doing or people are doing has to be good for them and their couple. And we always say, never take one for the team. So if it's not good for both of you in it, it's not good for your couple, period, and don't do it. Good advice. I think that's uh, really wise because I think a lot of people think that you are supposed to take one for the team if you're in a loving couple. So I'm so glad that you made that really explicit and clear. What are the four different types of open relationships? Actually, there's just four types of relationships in the bonding project. Okay. I've also got a blog on psychology today that explains the six most common types of consensual non-monogamy in the United States. So those are six. What are those? Um, I would say uh, swinging is by far the most common, definitely. Um, There's polyamory. There's open relationships. There's monogamish relationships. There's relationship anarchy, and then there's polygamy, which is marriage of usually almost always polygyny, one husband with multiple wives, polyandry, or one wife with multiple husbands is historically very rare and contemporarily pretty rare. Anywhere in the world where they're still practicing that? Um, It's practiced in various places, generally linked with either... There's not enough women to go around. So that might be starting to happen in China because they wiped out an entire generation of women with selective the one child policy and preferring men. Um, Or if there is a group of brothers and you don't want to break the land into smaller and smaller pieces, a way to keep land together is to have all of the brothers marry one woman. But historically, polygyny or the one wife, one man with multiple women is found in pretty much every society that anthropologists, historians, sociologists, if you're a rich guy, rich and influential heterosexual man, you get multiple women regardless of when it is historically or where you are in the world or, and multiple men. If you're rich male with same sex tastes, then you can have multiple of them too. Okay. But in the bonding project, we um, really moved away from labels about what relationship type it is and looked more at how people like to bond. So either one-to-one, one-to-many, many-to-many, or solo bonding. 
Um, and within those, people are either comfortable, curious, cautious, or challenged. So it's a pretty fine-toothed relationship test <laughs> that if you've thought about consensual non-monogamy before, will take you maybe eight to 10 minutes. If you've never considered it before, um, it might take much longer to think about some of the questions. Some of our monogamous early testers, it took several days and it blew their minds. <laughs> but for people who'd thought about non-monogamy before, mm. eight to 10 minutes. Yeah, and I love that. And you get, the, you get the results immediately. And, and it's really thought-provoking. I really like the questions that you asked. They're very good. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. We yeah, work really hard. I will hard. share that with everybody, all the students and all the people watching. Great. Here's, here is a, ooh, this one is for Erica. It's from a couple. Sid and Patricia want to know if you would ever consider being a sex unicorn. And for those who don't know what a unicorn is, actually, it's basically a third party that engages in sex with a couple. I'm sure there's more to it than that. But uh, let's begin with Erica answering this question. Only if you want to. It's rather personal. So we you don't want to, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, questions like that, it's very important not to to be judgmental or to yuck someone else's yum because just because you're not into something right this second, you never know what's going to happen, what you're going to be into in five years. An experience can happen and can kind of change you. You gravitate towards different things depending on what you're lacking in your life. You tend to crave something differently. Um, so I think at this stage of my life, I'm definitely more into kind of the ownership is sexy to me. So I don't like to share my toys. Got it. Okay. <laughs> you know, Ava, there's actually a wonderful resource that just happened a minute ago about this very question. Uh, the uh, Caroline Rose Giuliani has mm. published a piece about being a unicorn and identifying as a unicorn in Vanity Fair. And oh. I think anybody watching this and interested in this set of topics will find what she had to say really illuminating. She went pretty deep. It's Thank a you. Yeah, a lot of people don't even know what a sexual unicorn relationship is. It's a great descriptive word, I think. I kind of like it. I think it's descript the, the descriptor arose because uh, many, many couples who wanted to find a third woman partner for threesomes had a hard time discovering one out in the wild and they were turned <laughs> the unicorn. And uh, some people apparently are embracing that rather than. And what I've, well, I've done some research on it. And what I found interesting was that a lot of people will pretend that their unicorn is their au pair girl or their babysitter <laughs> because they don't want the neighbors to know that it's actually a, a bisexual woman who's having a threesome. But oh, there's actual sites now that you can go specifically to find a sex unicorn or a third party like Three Summer or FetLife or Field, F-E-E-L-D. So there's sites that are specifically catered. Thank you, Erica. Or you can come right here to Hedonism. There's two of them here with us right now. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> awesome. Now, here's a question from uh, a student of Tamara's. She's not giving her name, but she says she's one of your students. 
What can open relationship communities do to welcome more people of color? So there are big communities out there already um, for people of color, but for other people to allow people of color to come in, I think one of the biggest things is not to um, sort of um, um, try to make it seem like you know, like, because we're going through this whole racial thing right now, but not to bring that racial um, issues in place. Um, I think that people should just be open if they're defensive, just like put those things aside. Um, be open in your talking. And if you aren't comfortable with having people of color in your community, I mean, let that be known, put that on as one of your rules, because would it would be better to not even have someone come in because that's when you're going to get into the whole judgmental um, aspect of it. So I deal with a lot of uh, racial issues in the adult industry, and we do talk about that in relationships. So I think that um, definitely if you're if you're going to if you want to open that, because I really actually don't think that it should be an issue of color when you're dealing with um, swinging open relationships or any of that, um, because it's who the people are, but there are some people who do have issues. And I think that those should be addressed before the whole community is open and uh, allow other people of color or people of color to come in. Right. And you know, Dr. Nancy, uh, you work at Hedonism and so does Carol and, and David. Um, so uh, this question actually is for all three of you. How would you tell a client to maneuver in an open interracial relationship? Well, I, that's a great question because I do have um, a high, probably my biggest audience are African-American women mm -hmm. and, and biracial couples. So, you know, it, it is a tricky area because we're, we are, like Tamara said, we're in this um, heightened awareness of racism right now. We have to speak to that because it, it's like the elephant in the room. Okay. So, so we, we do need to be sensitive to those issues that can come up. And I spoke to a really good friend of mine last night who is an African-American man, and he's been in open relationships um, most of his adult life. And one of the issues that he brought forward was the idea of black men being um, objectified and fetishized and black women as well, the, the idea of being exotic, um, you know, can really come across as uh, fetishizing a human being and objectifying them rather than just welcoming the variety of people and seeing the beauty in, in diversity and being curious about getting to know people from other parts of the world and other cultures. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's where my, my groups tend to come together and we really bond as a group of people, a group of human beings, regardless of our skin tones and where our backgrounds. So it it shifts that um, tendency to objectify, mm -hmm. and it brings it more into a just a human to human love. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the the lifestyle really blossoms is when people can get past the sex part of it and really realize it's about just getting to know human beings on a really honest, raw level. And 
how fulfilling that is. Right. We, and we and Carolyn, to, David, you were going to say something, right? Go ahead. Yeah, we have to agree 100% with Nancy. We had Dr. Valerie Popple on one of our shows earlier this year, and she went deep into detail about how um, people of color are... Um, how they're treated in the lifestyle. Right. Yeah. They're almost a novelty. Instead of them being welcomed in as just people in the community, and um, she, she really went into it deeply in terms of the men and the women. And Tamara, you know, we agree 100% with you that a person is a person and look at them as who they are and are they compatible with you and just have a great time with them. They're, they're not there as, as that novelty. As a, as a bucket list yeah. that you want to right. check off. Right. Yeah, that's the shame, but it, it is happening. And as long as we are aware of it and we're talking about it, like this conversation is a great conversation to have. And hopefully we'll have more of these types of conversations in the future and just be aware that, yeah, objectifying uh, people of color in the swinging lifestyle is not the right thing to do, no. basically. Right. Kevin Patterson wrote a book called Love's Not Colorblind, which deals with this exact thing. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think that we as people of color, especially black people, um, we have, we're so stigmatized in society already. And that one, when we, um, if we do get into a, a interracial relationship outside of being open or not, we have so many issues that we have to deal with. And I think, I would think that being in um, open relationships, having partners who listen, you know, and, and not have us try to explain about racial um, issues that it just be loving and caring and, you know, just be very open. And I think, be, I feel like being in an open relationship, um, multicultural, um, would be even what, uh, much better than, you know, what we have to deal with if we were to get with a partner um, who was white and, and we have to deal with society stuff. And, um, but, but I think that in an open relationship, it would be totally different, I would think. Thank you, yeah. good point. Um, here's a question for Dr. Eli. Since you've done many years of research on polyamory, family and children, can you tell us some of the pros and the cons? I would say the biggest pro for both children and adults is pooling resources together means there's more for everyone. So adults have more free time, they get more sleep, they can work more comfortably because they know someone they trust is with the children. The children get more attention, they get more loot, at Christmas and birthdays and things, they love having nine, 10 grandparents for an eighth birthday. That's primo kid life right there. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the disadvantage, the primary disadvantage for children is too much supervision. Repeatedly, they cannot get away with anything in their families because the adults are around and they talk to each other. So the kids, it's hard to tell the same story every time or sneak out when somebody's still up at 2 a.m. Um, for the family as a whole, I would say the stigma coming from external society, much like gay and lesbian parents have faced, I would say this, the research on children from gay and lesbian families 
indicates the same thing. The kids are fine. Gay and lesbian parents and polyamorous parents can raise healthy, happy, confident, articulate, functional children. And society is what makes it so difficult. So when people say, oh, but what about the children? They're creating exactly the problem that they're worried about. Just leave these people alone. They're fine. It's getting our panties in a wad about it that's creating the problem. Sorry, got a little soapboxy there. (laughs) I'm so surprised and, and enthusiastically so about all the positive aspects you know, of a polyamorous family with children, there seems to be more benefits than negative consequences. So absolutely, by far. And I would say all of the disadvantages are family disadvantages Mm -hmm. that happen in families across the board. Partners leaving happens in divorced families and families with partners who die. Um, Crowded conditions happens in big families. That's another disadvantage. Mm Too much supervision happens when grandma lives with you too. But and grandmas are too generous. Yes. <laughs> but the disadvantage, uh, but the advantages, so the disadvantages are families across the board. Mm-hmm. The advantage of being able to be attracted to someone else when we're not dying at 40 anymore, you know, we're living long. It's a long time to only have sex with one person if you get married in your 20s or 30s. Um, And being able to stay together, even if they're attracted to someone else, even if they have sex with someone else, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't destroy the family, Mm -hmm. is a significant advantage. Now, when people like to have sex with, sexual novelty is fun. And thinking, oh, I'm never going to have sex with anybody else for the next 70 years? <laughs> Some people can't. Well, yeah, because divorce has spiked, and even newlyweds are calling it quits. So this alternative to separation and divorce of adding a new consensual approach to relationships is, is actually booming more now than I think ever. So that's why we're doing this panel because it really is a fascinating topic and your answers are amazing. Um, Carol and David, somebody wants to know, how do you share your partner without feeling any jealousy at all? Well, that's a great question. It's one that we get all the time. And I'm gonna say that jealousy is a natural um, emotion and it's never no jealousy at all. It's a how you control your jealousy, which makes it successful or not. And so really, uh, I would say kind of that it might just be a fleeting moment that maybe you feel a little bit of jealousy when I see David in a passionate embrace with another woman. But then I remind myself that he's the one that I love. I'm the one that he loves. That we we go home with. We are going home together. And no matter how good she kisses him, he's still my husband, you know. So you just have to get that in your head and be more secure about your relationship. And then that the jealousy is, is definitely just a fleeting moment. And we always say that, you know, swinging is for anyone, but it's not for everyone. So if you are a jealous person, it might not be a lifestyle that's suitable for you. Got it. Um, Erica, somebody who's interested in your six-week course has um, sent a question Lewis wants your advice on how to tell his new dates that he wants to have an open relationship so there's no miscommunication. 
Well, I would say that there's there's not necessarily a reason to come right out and get to the point. And say, I <laughs> as soon as you meet. <laughs> uh, I would say do some homework. Download maybe a sexy 20 questions app on your phone and find out if she's bisexual, is she open to threesomes or willing to share her partner? After like a question sexy game, you should know if she's a good candidate for an open relationship. If she said she would never be okay sharing her partner or having a threesome, then it's up to you to decide if you would be content staying with her in a monogamous relationship or it's time to push the envelope and communicate your thoughts. And you just want to start on a positive note. So tell her how much you appreciate her or, or mention some things you like about her. Make sure that when you bring this up, you're in a good place emotionally. Ask her if she'd like the sexual freedom to sleep with who she wants while she's still maintaining the stability and passion with you. Be honest with her and be honest with yourself. If the monogamous life isn't for you, it's best to let her go and find someone with your mindset. Excellent. Um, Dr. Carol Queen, here's a couple's question for you from Lynn and Dex Dexter. How do you discuss navigating boundaries with a partner when transitioning from a monogamous relationship into an open relationship? They just want to get their toes into the water. Well, I think that that's a really important, vital time to discuss boundaries for starters, because uh, you're, you're laying the floor of, of a room that you may walk further into if it seems like it's a good idea together, right? So, um, really thinking about what works for you, what you might like to do, being honest about those things and starting out maybe in a place where you're saying, we're discussing this right now. We're not making any decisions yet. We're trying to, we're trying to feel out the, the walls of our room. We're trying to figure out where we can comfortably go. And, uh, and that includes what you want. It includes what you need. It includes what your boundaries are. You might want to repurpose the three list test that sometimes people will use to figure out what kind of sex they want to have. Uh, and in which you put all your, yes, I know I want this elements in column, in the yes column. No, I don't want any of this elements in the no column. And then there's the maybe column which is where all the negotiation happens, which is where all the growth and information and introspection happens. So that would be something that people could try together to see if there's a clear path in there, both of their yes, no, maybe answers about what kind of open relationship they may be able to successfully start with. Great. And Ava, if I, if I could build off that for one second, we yeah. met an amazing couple here two weeks ago and at hedonism, you don't have to be a swinger. You can be just a nudist. You can be just someone who wants to explore your sexuality. But we met this couple who said they weren't swingers, but they wanted to try the playroom. So we went into the playroom with them and we said, you know what? You guys have sex right next to us and we're going to have sex and you're going to have sex. And it was like live porn. And the two of us had sex independently. And they came to us the next morning for, at breakfast and they said, this was the most arousing, erotic evening we ever had. We have no intention of swinging, but wow, was that an amazing evening, having sex next to people, having sex. They were exhibitionists and voyeurs at the same time, and they didn't touch anybody else. Wow, that is a great alternative. It's like watching porn, but in real life. Exactly. Uh, yeah, great, thank you. Um, Dr. Nancy, Vivica wants to know if she can go on 
one of your essential retreats in Jamaica or on your bliss cruise as a single woman. She doesn't have a partner, but she wants to, she wants to join in and play. She wants to expand her sexual horizon. Most of the cruises, which aren't happening right now, um, but most of the cruises are t- tend to be couples only. Um, some of the cruises do leave room for uh, some single women. Mm-hmm. Rarely they allow single men or they bring a group of single men that are, have been vetted because it's, it's, it's tricky for a single man to, in, to kind of be a part of the swinging lifestyle. Uh, but hedonism is open to anybody. And I have a, res- a retreat in June of every year, the last week of June, that's really geared towards single women and the men who adore them, actually oh. others who adore them, because many okay. of the women coming are bisexual or bi-curious. And so they're, they're, we talk, we spend days um, together in seminar and in party mode really discussing boundaries, uh, self-image, body shame, sexual shame, consent. My, the first class I teach of the retreat is all about consent. And we do a bunch of practice with each other, asking and saying yes and saying no and being comfortable uh, with whatever suits the, the moment. Well, we so, you know, it's about, about event in our, Sorry, we'll definitely put in... You know, in our follow-up, we're going to put information about your upcoming event. Great. It's June 25th. June 26th through July 26th. 3rd. Oh, great. Yeah, we're going to put that in so that people can sign up. They can sign up, right? Yes. Oh. Yes. So yeah. it's perfect for Vivica. It's perfect for singles and couples. Perfect. And yeah. they don't have to be swingers. No, it's, it's okay. really not a swinging event. Ah, but it is at hedonism. But it is at hedonism. Got it. Okay, fantastic. It's, a, it's about sexual freedom. Oh, perfect. All right, so that does bring us to the end of our panel on open relationships. But before we go, let's find out if our panel has any upcoming events that they would like to share with us. So, Dr. Eli, I know we have your bonding test, and I'm going to put the link into our email for everybody. Do you have any other upcoming events, lectures, uh, ASECT, seminars, anything at all? You know, I haven't really planned Ah. the the (laughs) pandemic, except um, I just got approval for, I teach at the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga, and I will be taking my spring 2022 class of the social construction of sexualities to Amsterdam, so fun. Amsterdam which I'm really excited about. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Okay. Uh, Dr. Carol Queen, I think you said you have a new event coming up on March 25th about the history of women founded sex shops, including Good Vibrations. Is that right? That's right. I uh, have started a new uh, virtual event uh, thing with Good Vibrations and Good Vibrations website events link will have more detail on it soon uh, called Conversations with Carol. And I hope to have some of you all on to talk about many things in the future too. Uh, I'm interviewing and chatting with Lynn Camella who wrote the book Vibrator Nation. And if anyone is familiar with the book uh, this is a this is a whole different thing. I remembered this uh, after I emailed you, uh, Ava. So I haven't told you about this. Um, 
the San Francisco Public Library hosts One City, One Book every year. And this year, the book is Know My Name by Chanel Miller, who is the woman uh, who was known uh, as the person who the Stanford rape case happened to. She's written a book. And so I'm going to talk, as, as well many people uh, in the month of April, about consent. So that will be something that I'm really honored to be able to do. That's oh, yeah, we'd love to see that. That's fantastic. Good. San Francisco Public Library should have info about it soon. Awesome. And uh, Tamara, you have a podcast. So let us know where we can enjoy that. Um, yes. So I have a podcast that I um, talk about love, sex, and relationship with um, a girl. Uh, well, actually, she's a master's expert in um, South Africa. And we just talk about the um, differences in sex, love, and relationship across the globe. So we are still working on getting it publicized. So okay. it should be coming out within the month or so. Fantastic. And Erica, where do we go for your Playmate Pickup podcast? You can see Playmate Pickup or listen to Playmate Pickup anywhere there are podcasts, whether it be Apple or um, anywhere. In fact, I was going to say, I would love to have you guys on my podcast. I've had the sexy life on and Dr. Nancy, but I'm, I'm missing the rest of you. So okay, just let us know when and where. Um, Carol and David, what fun adventures do you have coming up? Well, um, if anybody wants, they can join us here at Hedonism until May 1st. We strongly suggest if you can't make it here, go to Nancy's event in June. Um, but if people want to know anything more about us, uh, they can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, listen to our podcast, The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. We just hit a million listeners on our 500th episode. So um, Erica has been on it. Dr. Nancy has been on it. You've been on it, Ava. We've invited all the other panelists to join. So you know what? The more we talk about, the more we find out about sex and sexuality, the more we will have a better, happier world. Absolutely. Thank you, panel, for your stimulating answers. We can all learn from Dr. Eli, Nancy, Carol, Erica, Tamara, and David and Carol. And thank you, Lilo, for sponsoring our panel of sexperts. Finally, thank you to all of the attendees for watching. We will be back next month with a new sexpert panel, a new topic, and new gifts. So we hope that you will join us. And until then, live to love and love to live. Beautiful. Wow, what a great show that was. We hope you sure enjoyed this sexpert panel discussion with Dr. Ava Cadell as much as we did. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And to find out more about all the sexpert guests on Ava Cadell's panel, just go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where they have their own guest page with all their information. You can even contact them if you have any questions about their work. And remember, if you're looking for an online, open-minded community to find compatible people or events near you, simply join sdc.com. Use promo code 30314 for your first month free. And you know, we're learning more and more every week with all our sexpert guests. We sure hope you do too. If you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Well, that's the end of another great show. Thanks to all the panel guests for being there. And thank you all so much for listening week in and week out. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life 
and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe and healthy. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 